lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Hope you had a great Independence Day weekend. We are back. We all did. Of course, I have no idea what Aaron did. Um, You guys don't really know what I did for the last four days. It doesn't matter. Because none of us had as good a weekend as the Erzin family had. <laughs> hey, congrats on uh, no student loan debt. Thank you. Uh, congrats on uh, not having to pay for college there, Pops. Thank you. Not every day you get to say that uh, your daughter is the first woman in the history of her state to be a national champion. But that happened over the weekend and can only imagine... All the days piling everybody into the backs of minivans and all the practices and all the, uh, the the schedules and the long drives, right? And that probably made all of that seem it was worth it and more so. Oh, yeah. And uh, the money part is no small thing, but I'd gladly pay for her college to have the experience of the smile on her face of the accomplishment, you know, when you... When you do that, and it's a smile, Steve, we talked about it uh, tangentially. You're about to experience a version of that when you're watching your movie. The the idea that popped into your head one day, like C.S. Lewis and Mr. Tumnus, and it leads to that. You're about to see that, Aaron. You're about to have the birth of your child. You know, those moments are fleeting, and when they come, um, I'd pay to have a a feeling uh, like that, to watch my daughter just overwhelmed by joy. It was a blessing. Then there was the planes, trains, and automobiles oh. on the way out there. You know what, man? I was I was originally, my original plan, I even think I even mentioned this to Aaron. My original plan was to come back at you with, hey, dude, man, you're the co-author of a number one book. Why are you fr- flying, what was it, Frontier Airlines? <laughs> okay, one of the discount airlines. And then I remembered, you know, every time I fly United, American, Delta, That's same, exact, same exact thing happens. Same exact thing happens happens so it was what 30 hours it took to get there from the des moines airport arriving to finally getting to eugene oregon so i mean you almost didn't even get to this competition right you had one flight that could have gotten you there and if the next day and maybe you don't get to the competition if that if you can't get on that flight well here's where the frontier thing was a blessing we just had vouchers left over from a covid cancellation Mm -hmm. so we applied them to this and we had to use them with a wide berth because of july 4th Mm -hmm. had that not happened it might have been what you're talking about, but we still had the extra day buffer because we had to leave so early because of the holiday. Google then, Maps estimates you could have driven there in about uh, 27 hours. Oh, people told me that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. People told me that. And then, of course, you're in one of the few COVID stand places remaining full, full-fledged full in America. It, ju- it just ended. People kept telling me that like okay. the week before. It was pretty normal out there. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I can't even imagine the amount of uh, pride yeah. and just what that was like. And congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very uh, much. Both to you and Ainsley uh, and your entire family. Because that's, that's a family effort when you have four kids and everything else and uh, to make that work. Uh, so very, very cool. Thank you. 
Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. That's a D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, look for me as well on MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Look for free clips of the program at Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show 2. Of course, it's Wednesday, even though it's the first day of the week for us. It, we're going to stick with our normal schedule. Uh, we'll be joined at the end of the program by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz is going to join us and we're going to have a conversation daniel and i are about pew which i have often held up as one of the few last remaining um pollsters surveyors in mainstream america that i have a high regard for the work that they do that did i say they were perfect no, no one is no one is to. no one is i but but i i at least respect the the, the character of their work even if at times I, I find the final results puzzling or um, disagreeable. But they just came out over the weekend with a pretty in-depth profile of the 2020 election. And there are some amazing things in there. It claims that Donald Trump lost 12 points with white males to essentially gain one point, really, of black voters on the whole let's let criminals out of prison for the first step thing uh, criminal justice reform right which has been a Koch brother initiative within the right now for a good decade of you know let's get rid of drug you know abusers and everything mm-hmm. else and and this would make major inroads into the uh into the black vote what this shows is that trump got one point more of black voters in exchange for 12 points less of white males that he actually did better with married white women than he did with white males. Tucker Carlson is out there talking about the Biden administration is trying to end the suburbs. And this is showing that Biden won the suburbs, which if you live in a suburb like we do, I'm, I would not anecdotally be surprised Mm, at that. Would you? Neither would I. Um, It shows because you may have heard, well, Trump got more non-white voters than any Republican presidential nominee since 1960 and it is true but almost all of those gains this shows were with hispanic voters actually so the whole calculus of let's uh break the internet with kim kardashian on criminal justice and let's call what i think is the last real really well done and good for the people bipartisan legislation the 1994 crime bill let's let's call that racist and let a whole bunch of people out of prison it didn't didn't benefit them at all that policy so now that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad policy we don't explicitly do policy at least we shouldn't on what polls say right but i think we would all agree that this specific policy was like crafted by pollsters almost right yeah at least at least the gop kind of pollsters you know that are often mocked by trump's base for republicans listening to now that's who wanted legislation like this trump did it and got one point more of 12 percent of the electorate black voters uh, in order to get 12 points less of the largest voting block in the electorate black or white males that's what it's showing anyway now here's the thing though can we even trust this analysis because one of the things it also shows is that trump won on election day by 30 points it shows that joe biden won the early voting or the apps or apps and or absentee voting by almost the same margin, 28 points. 
So here's my question. How did Joe Biden get 80 million votes? What is it they say that he won by six or seven million? Something like that? Something along those lines, Okay, If if he lost on election day by 30 points, I I understand COVID had a lot of these places shut down. I I get that. But was there really that many more mail-in absentee votes? See where I'm getting it with with the, how does that math work? Here's, but, but even if there is, how do we explain this then? And this is, these are questions I will ask Daniel next hour because he knows some of this data even better than I do. How do we explain then the lack of increase in the error and return rate of these mail-in votes? I mean, anytime a process expands by a thousandfold or a hundredfold or 500fold, which is essentially what mail-in voting did this past year, right? Right. Some of us didn't get Christmas presents delivered to or biased to loved ones in the mail until like January, right? Right. Okay. So how do we explain then like no negligible increase in disqualified or returned ballots with that level of volume? Meaning if you accept the math that that many more people voted mail-in or absentee than voted on election day as a one-off, okay, because of COVID and, and shutdowns and concerns. If you accept that then, then how would you then, because then the follow-up question I would have is, okay, that's a plausible explanation. It's plausible. I mean, that, that doesn't mean it's exact. We'd have to go and look at the math, right? But right. on its face, logically, is that a plausible explanation? Yes, it is. Yeah. Then how do, how the, what government system in your lifetime, Obamacare website, anyone? What government system in your or anyone's lifetime, for that matter, experienced that level of an increase in volume with no negligible increase in defaults? Anybody? Errors. Anyone. Have you ever seen that ever in the history of human government? Where that where a system received that level? And don't give me some smart ass comment. I'm dead serious about this. Have you ever heard of anything like this before? Well, because we haven't, that's the reason why even Democrats before a thing called COVID and Trump said this was a terrible idea because they knew such a increase statistically would happen. They agree with your premise. What, okay, so you know what? With that said, now it is time for a smart-ass comment, Aaron. What were you going to say? <laughs> or did I profile you that that is what you were going to do? Uh, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I stepped on it now, and so now you're not— now Yeah, it's, now it, it's, it's, it's just it's, super yeah, awkward. The, the, yeah, okay, I hear you. Okay. So. All right, so these are questions we're going to have a conversation with. We're a little rusty. We've been gone for four days. I've already I've already uh, tripped on uh, uh, on Aaron's toes there. My apologies. Uh, we will discuss these with uh, with Daniel coming up uh, at the end of the show in our final segment here today. And then we'll also, of course, play Buy, Seller, Hold. It's our favorite weekly game. I would imagine with this much time of pent-up energy, we have to have some very good ones to comment on and, and talk about this week, correct? Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll find out at the bottom of the hour. But first, we have to find out what happened while we were away. Maybe our computer is rusty, too. Let me uh, recheck the flux capacitor, press the right <laughs> wow. buttons, and then maybe we'll have a what happened while we were away. What, what happened while we were away brought to you by... May we see your papers? I don't think I have them on me. In that case, we'll have to ask you to come along. Wait, it's possible that, uh, yes... The Biden White House said yesterday they were going to start going door to door to ask Americans if they've been vaccinated. First White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said. The president will outline five areas his team is focused on to get more Americans vaccinated. 
One, uh, targeted community-by-community door-to-door outreach to get remaining Americans vaccinated. Also, is there a target for herd immunity for COVID vaccines? Uh, Is it 75%, 80%? Well, Dr. Fauci has addressed this a number of times and has conveyed that herd immunity is kind of an outdated term. But our work doesn't stop there, and we are going to continue to press to get 12 to 18-year-olds vaccinated. Then Biden himself repeated. Here's the deal. We are continuing to wind down the mass vaccination sites that did so much in the spring to rapidly vaccinate those eager to get their first shot and their second shot, for that matter, if they needed a second. Now we need to go to community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood, and oftentimes door to door, literally knocking on doors. In completely unrelated news out of Israel, a leader in the developed world in vaccination rates. According to the Times of Israel, new data suggests the Pfizer mRNA vaccine is about 64% effective in preventing infection after two doses. That's down from the estimated and promised 94% effectiveness in May. The Prime Minister of Luxembourg is in serious but stable condition in the hospital with COVID. Xavier Battelle received the AstraZeneca vaccine on May 6th. Back to Biden, who stopped in Michigan for some ice cream. He was asked about the most recent cyber attacks threatening over 1,500 organizations over the weekend. With the most recent hack by the Russians, would you say that this this means We're that... not sure it's the Russians. Okay, I spot gun okay. I got a brief on the as I was on the plane. That's why I was late getting off the plane. I got a brief and uh All right. Would you like your receipt? Uh I'll be in better shape to talk to you about it. I'll tell you what they sent me, okay? Uh, that, uh, the idea, first of all, we're not sure who it is. The June jobs report came out late last week and indicates the economy added 850,000 jobs in the last month. The jobs report also indicated the unemployment rate went up from 5.8% to 5.9%. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is common core math for the win. Speaking of China, in case you needed any more confirmation where the billionaire elite's loyalties lie, here's Warren Buffett's partner Charlie Munger on an interview with CNBC last week talking about the disappearance of Chinese business mogul Jack Ma. He basically gave a speech when he said to a, to a one-party state, well, you guys are a bunch of jerks don't know what you're doing and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do it better. And he was going to wade into banking and no rules and just do whatever he pleased. He also but brought the Chinese, a lot of the Chinese communists people. did the right thing. They just called in Jack Ma and say, you aren't going to do it, Sonny. And, and uh, I wish we had a, I don't want the, all of the Chinese system, but I certainly would like to have the financial part of it in my own country. Urban decay update this weekend in Los Angeles. Antifa militants roamed the streets for apparently no reason, assaulting multiple people, including this street preacher. Campus reform asked college students if they're proud to be Americans. No. I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. Um, not really in this climate. No, like, I'm a black person. You know, there's, like, oppression that comes with that. Um, 
not most of the time. I think sometimes it's just a little embarrassing. Uh, no. <laughs> and what is there to be proud about if you're black and being like, you know, because it's just like it's a, still a lot of stuff that goes on for black people. The National Education Association, along with the American Federation of Teachers, have in recent days vowed to spend millions of dollars to fight legal efforts to ban the indoctrination of critical race theory in public schools. Meanwhile, in Arizona, here's what this dad had to say to his school board about CRT. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere, and more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere, to see different laws through the lens of race from an ethics and, and, and an ethical standpoint, right? Not for grade schools and high schoolers. The problem with bringing it to high school and grade school level is that we don't have the educators to properly teach these kids. Instead, they're using it as their own agenda to indoctrinate the kids to hate each other. And whether you believe that to be true or not, the reality is that's what's happening. Critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. You already have an educator within your staff that has pulled my daughter aside and said, well, you're a minority, so you know better than to engage in certain things. Wow. Oh, wow. When I was brought to the school's attention, nothing happened to the educator. Instead, my daughter was brought in, and she was ridiculed. So my question is now, with critical race theory being brought in, what is your criteria to educate the educators? And who are you to educate my children, or any of our children, in life issues? That's our job. Your job is to teach them math and science. Our job is to teach them about life. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our old friends at Rough Greens. Been talking about them for quite a while now. And, you know, maybe your dog is a picky eater, right? By now, you know, your dog's food has probably been stripped bare of the vitamins and minerals and nutrients it needs. The minute it leaves the factory and heads to the store for the same reasons our food is, mass distribution, consumption, etc. That's why we buy so many people supplements these days. Your pet needs one too. That's what, that's what Rough Greens is. It's all the good stuff, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidants, omegas, etc. In a powder that you mix in with the food your dog loves. And now... They've got an even healthier diet. But you may be thinking, hey, your dog is finic- more finicky than our dog, Cap, who loves it and won't like it. Here's one way to find out. We give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. All you pay is the shipping to find out if your pet will like it and you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less. When you go to roughgreens.com, that's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com, or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. 833-ROUGH-DOG or roughgreens.com. Coming up quickly in the overtime, I'll let you know today, uh, former President Trump gave a press conference this morning announcing that he's going to lead a class action lawsuit against big tech uh, for censorship. We're going to discuss that in the overtime today. For Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace, we will record it for you right after today's program, and then it will be uploaded for you uh, to watch at your convenience later today. And if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you would like to become one, blazetv.com slash dace is where you can go. That's D-E-A-C-E to become a subscriber and get a discounted rate today at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to some of what's left in the montage. Um, I'll just try to have a quick take on as many of these as I possibly can. Uh, the, if, 
if Democrats were trying to lose the midterms next year on purpose, like they got together for whatever reason, can't don't, they don't want to govern, um, think it would look better to steal the 2024 election if they gave Republicans a meaningless win in the 2022 midterm, whatever, I, I don't know. But if they were attempting to lose on purpose for whatever rationales they would conjure, what would they be doing differently? Everything's more expensive. Everything's racist. And now we're going to go door to door on will you take the experimental injections? Because people love that. They love it when you come to their door. They just love it. I mean, what would they be doing differently if they weren't trying to lose on purpose? Anybody have an answer to that? Nothing. My problem is I'm still not convinced. I'm so shattered that it'll happen anyways. Here's the other question. Why do we need vaccine passports? If they already know who has the vaccines or not to go to your door. There's a million dollar question right there. Why do we need vaccine passports then? They already have the answer to that question, right? Here's another question. What happened to your medical privacy? If they know whether you've had it or not. What happened to your medical privacy? All questions that don't have comforting answers, right? None. So let's move on. If I had said and proclaimed it repeatedly on Twitter and Facebook three or four months ago, that what you're being told about the human trials of the Pfizer vaccine is not true, and you'll be lucky if it's 65% efficacy, and that these will be more of a therapeutic, which is what I told you if they ever came up with a vaccine all along, that's what this would be. It's not an inoculator. It's not, hey, I, I took this shot in the 70s, so I know I'll never get smallpox or polio. It's a therapeutic, meaning that it would mitigate the, what the flu vaccine is. It would, it would mitigate the severity of the symptoms. If I had said that this is not a real vaccine, Despite that's a branding term, that's not what it actually is. It is a form of a therapeutic that will be effective in mitigating the severity of symptoms, but that they are at least 30 points off in their efficacy claims in their human trials. Where would my Facebook and Twitter accounts be today on on July the 7th, gentlemen? Where would they be? Non-existent. Non-existent is where they would be. I would be one of the people named and Trump's announced today class action lawsuit, correct? Yes. But when we looked at the data from the most vaccinated nation on planet Earth, Israel, what does it show? Exactly that. It shows exactly that. That is it, that these are effective mitigators against severe illness, hospitalization and death. They are not inoculators and the efficacy against getting the virus is nowhere near what they proclaimed. Some will still say, even if I'm not in a high-risk group, since it's a novel virus, I don't know what the long-term effects of this are, right? That, right. And that, by the way, is that a legitimate concern? Yeah. You bet it is. Sure it is. How come the same concern doesn't extend then to these experimental injections? See my point? Well, you know, yeah, I, I see I, I, I have no problem if somebody says... I don't know what the future manifestations of COVID and from even a cursory asymptomatic infection may ultimately, especially if it came from a lab, especially if it's not a full natural phenomenon. Can you all sit here and tell me today with all your stratified data, Steve, 
You know, Tucker Carlson got blasted the other night for saying what is true, that we've now exceeded the median age of death in COVID. Has now, it was right around the average life expectancy in America for the first year and a half. It's, it's now higher than that. He's right about that. But the same people who say, hey, even if I am, you have all your stratified data, Steve, Tucker, at all, Rational Ground, Daniel Horowitz, all of you, Jordan Schachtel, Alex Berenson, all of you and your merry little band of men, of, of resistance fighters, all right, with your stratified data, can you look me in the eye and tell me, even if I get an asymptomatic infection, that it will not manifest itself as something worse or unknowable years from now? Can we say that? No. No, of course we can't. Especially if it is a designer virus like Peter McCullough thinks, right? Right. Then why doesn't this work both ways then? That's the Faucian bargain, Steve. Yes, indeed it is. I'm willing to admit to you that there is, because see, I'm beginning with the premise that we live in an imperfect world and can't do anything about that. That the best we can possibly do is make things as good as we can. But perfection in a perfect outcomes... And the best way to do that is to provide the best opportunities for the best outcomes we can, but we can't guarantee outcomes east of Eden. My worldview begins with that premise. The other worldview does not. And this is why they're not willing to accept that calculus when it comes to a potential designer virus, but they are willing to accept the calculus when it comes to these vaccines because it's like socialist Martin Koldorf, himself a skeptic of all of this, the designer of the VAERS website, at Harvard, one of the leading epidemiological researchers in the world. It's like what he tweeted over the weekend. This is an article of faith. See, Koldorf is a man without any. So at least he's consistent. Right? It's like Richard Dawkins thinks you and I are, are, are plebes, yes. right? But he thinks the same thing if you, if you go to, if you go to a church on a, on a mosque on a Friday and yes. worship Allah, right? Yes. Th- 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 this, uh, but a lot of the people who think you and I are plebes are perfectly fine if we went to a mosque on a Friday and worshiped Allah instead, because the real issue isn't they want a, an irreligious society. The real issue is they want they, they want the one true God and his son ejected from society. That's the And whatever gets them there is yes. what they're for, right? You're, so yeah. are you consistent in this belief, or is it a means to an end, or two different You're things? You're describing the fight between Bill Maher and Ben Affleck. Correct. Koldorf is consistently irreligious, consistently godless, and only cares about hardcore materialism. You can live with a guy like that because at least you know what his standard is. The problem is the spirit of the age is not like that. That's your Faucian bargain, as you yes. just said. And so if we, if we were, here's what it would look like if we were truly going to be a, a, a follow-the-science society. The choice as it is in a place like a Sweden, the most secular country in Europe, would be left up to the individual. You decide which risk long term you view as the one, as the calculus that, that you're more willing to live with or gamble your life with. The unknowable long term implications of injecting these experimental substances into your body or the unknowable long term consequences of even an asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic case of COVID like I had, what that may do long term to your body. We don't know the answer to either one of these things. The problem is one side speaks as if it's an article of faith with great dogmatic certainty. Well, here is your certainty. Your initial efficacy claims were off by only 30 points. How you like them apples? And oh, by the way, we should mention in a far healthier, 
slimmer, younger population. Israel has per capita one of the youngest median age populations in the world. Okay? So, folks, if you can't hit anywhere close to your efficacy mark in that population, tell me where in the world then you can, right? Tell me where in the world you can. The answer is nowhere. That's your answer. How in the hell do you add a monstrous number like 850,000 jobs while unemployment claims go up at the exact same time? That is a monster number, folks. Monster. Answer, you have a largely heavily manufactured economy, which ties into the clip of Warren Buffett's partner that Aaron played because he wants more of that. He would like more of it. Of course, multi-billionaires want more of a manufactured economy. They're grandfathered in. It maintains their hold on power and wealth. It's always the people who already have the power that want a more autocratic society, right? 850,000 jobs in a month, but unemployment claims went up. Because you're still paying in a lot of states, people a lot of money to stay home and not work. And you have a manufactured economy. Because a good deal of those 850,000 jobs were the last few remaining blue states that were hunkered down to, uh, you know, COVID stand that are going back to normal like the place you just were. Yes. And then finally, that Biden video. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We've had corrupt, we've had inept, we've had arrogant, we've had narcissistic, we, we've had Marxist, we've, we, we, we've had vile, racist, we've had a lot of different characters in the U.S. presidency before, right? Yes. Have we ever before this, though, had feeble? Because feeble is what we're projecting to the rest of the world. So if you are looking for a way to push back, fight back against the inflammation that is uh, fighting you right now, uh, and you're looking for one that is maybe more of a, of a natural variety than uh, chemically uh, laced and induced, uh, check out our friends at Omega XL. This is the anti-inflammatory that I use. It's part of my daily regimen. You don't, the guys will tell you, Todd and Aaron, you rarely you do hear me anymore coming in and complain about soreness after workouts or things of that nature. Uh, if, if something happens, it's because pr- improper technique or I uh, forgot that I'm pushing 50 years old now. Yeah, totally uh, new complaints from you now. Yes. There's no complaints. <laughs> They're just other things. <laughs> yes, totally new complaints. <laughs> so the complaining is not stopped is what Todd is saying. They're just totally new complaints now. All right. So if you want to give this a shot, chances are, now if you've got an injury, remember a couple weeks back, Todd, you yanked your back. I'm going to throw that back at you, old you man. Should. All right. I am old. Yes. All right. Um, that's an injury. All right. Treat that accordingly. 
We're talking of the chronic variety, the stiffness, the soreness, the achiness that just won't go away in your joints and muscles. Chances are that's inflammation. If you're looking for a great product that I use to attack that inflammation, check out Omega XL, backed by 35 years of clinical research. That's a speciality going after inflammation. You can try it right now at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. In fact, if you try it, they'll give you a second bottle for free. That's right. Buy one, get one free today at OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or call them at 800-844-4888. Well, let's get back to it. And of course, we begin with one of our favorite segments every week, buy, sell, or hold. Aaron, with a lot of help from his friends, you in the audience, Todd will be throwing you and I's way. Who knows what topics du jour may immense or may, or may immense may commence or emerge? I try to put two words there together; like they don't it. belong. Yes, um, it's dumb, but thank you. Uh, and then once per show, we'll hopefully have a reason why we're buying or selling it. Once per show, we are permitted to um, uh, put a hold on it. But if we use a hold for any reason other than "Wow, that's lame." You have to help Joe Biden find his keys. Todd? You keep issuing penalties that basically make it seem like holds are not possible. Yeah, on this just show. Un- unattainable. Yes. Yes. Take a stand. Yes. All right, Aaron, go ahead. We will begin with Big Poppy. The Biden administration's attempt to go door to door for the vaccine will gloriously backfire. Uh, yes. The, the, unless they go to only California, Oregon, Maine, Massachusetts, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Unless they only they concentrate in places where Republicans just or free thinkers just largely don't exist or are fleeing, then yes. I can't even imagine how this would go door to door in like Mississippi and well, hell, Iowa now. Okay, I mean just unless they concentrate where they're going to have the most likely success or affirmation, it it can only backfire. If nothing else, it's going to annoy people. The idea that you could give people new information that they don't have as to why they haven't gotten this yet. What, what, what new information is there? Because they've already spent hundreds of millions of dollars, Todd, marketing this with the best possible human trial information. Now that we're getting more and more real-time data and more and more people are speaking out, this is not not an upsell. For those of you who don't know what that means, it's, it's the concept that you're better off selling people that have already heard your pitch or purchased your product because either they're A, familiar with it, or B, have already committed to it financially once, and so they're more likely to do so again. Who is the upsell here, guys? Give me, give me. you know, we used to do this a lot in the Trump presidency. Let's do it for the first time in the Biden presidency. Give me the composite of the American who, after you knock on their door and, and bug the hell out of them, is going to be like, you know what? I really haven't looked at it like that. You bet. In fact, can we get that injection? Could you just inject this right here, right now? Who is that? Who is it? Uh, Tiger King watcher. That person's already that person's already vaccinated. Netflix and chill. Do we think? Yeah, that's the person. Those are the people that waited in line. Dude, we went to we went shopping at Walmart over the weekend. Family groceries, okay, and it was freaking packed, packed to the gills. How many people were waiting in line for their free COVID injection? Zero. 
how many people were in the in the waiting room because they would tell you to hang around for 15 or 20 minutes afterwards to make sure there's no obvious side effects. Nobody seated, nobody in line. So I, I'm and all, I'm being serious, okay? Serious analysis. Tell me who is the person. Give me the composite of the person who is on the fence and will be like, oh yeah, I guess I didn't consider that. Thank you. Who is it? Well, the same kind of person, I don't know what the volume of it was. It's more anecdotal, but who bought into the whole lottery, COVID lottery thing. But then then they already buy in there. Uh, some in some states, again, I'm saying, I'm just taking the opposite side of you, not because... A, I think you're right, but I, and more importantly, I hope you're right. But I'll just say, Sal, because if they go around there, door to door, and they're shameless enough to do it with with vouchers, coupons, whatever, who knows? And furthermore, uh, the other dark part about this is I, I, I think they're going to be rolling tape and they're looking to gas like this and turn this into January 6th moments. Now, that is an interesting point. I, I could absolutely see that, okay? But, I mean, our side's going to have all kinds of video of people slamming the doors Agre- on their faces. Agreed. Th- this is, this is th- we, what you're saying is an observation we've made in the last couple of years, which is it used to be the media went to the political system looking for content, okay? Looking for things that were newsworthy. And now what you have is the political system goes to the media and says, what content do you guys want? And we will, we'll gin that up for you. So like my buddy, Chip Roy, him and I were texting the last couple of days. He's getting, Keith Oberman's coming after him. Politico has some article out today that he's the chief obstructionist in Congress. And, and he's, and he's just laughing. He's like, who do these people think, do they know where I, the district I represent? Okay. Why do they think this would like hurt me? I mean, I'm going to put this stuff in my campaign literature. And I said, Chip, it's not about winning your district. They're prov- you're, you're clickbait cannon fodder mm-hmm. for a foreign country's media propaganda. We do the same thing. You know, whether it's how many more people and how many more conservatives in America know who AOC is or Rashida Tlaib or have heard of the squad but couldn't name maybe the, even their own Democrat mayor oh, or okay. Democrat congressman or Democrat state legislator. Exactly. The, the, so this is what happens when you have, when you've, when, when, when two nations that are not reconcilable are attempting to occupy the same landmass and you're in the midst of a cold civil war is each side's your, your enemy, you, you serve as enemy clickbait propaganda for the other. And if, and if it's your side, then it's clickbait, and if it's the other side, it's well, they're giving, they're propagandizing us, right? right. So we're going to get those. Both sides are going to get those videos. We're going to have those videos here on our show. Aaron will put them in his montages, you know, throwing, you know, slamming the doors or treating them like you know the Jehovah's Witnesses for the Branch Covidian cult they are, and then they'll they'll find some redneck somewhere who I can't take the injections because I got anally probed last night by the Grays, and they told me that these things are from Venus. I mean, every side's going to get their clickbait. I could see that. Okay. So, so your, but, but your serious composite is the person who the, the ante wasn't big enough, the buy off price, right? Right. I, okay. That I could see that, that one I could see. I, I don't think that's a large group of people. I, hope I don't not. think that doesn't take you from 50 to 60% vaccination in the country, but is it, is it a few percent of people in some places? Okay. That I could see. Yeah. And we all have a price, you know, I finally realized what mine is. I mean, I've, I mean, I've, I've been offered money, women, what have you. Position, nope. 
private plane travel, straight up. Anybody listening? You want to know what would get Steve Dace to splatch on the green, uh, the green lipstick uh, and, 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 and smoke him if you got him with a pack of Newport lights and stand on a street corner for you and whatever candidate you want elected? I'm just telling you right now, get me the hell out of the commercial airline industry. That would be it. I'll take that. That 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 is what um, uh, that is that that's my kingdom. Private airline travel. That's what it is. Because we all have a price, though. And so what you're saying is, in this case, they would just hey, ten thousand dollar voucher right here. Take it to this pharmacy, and they'll give it something like that. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what it would take. People. I do think there's a layer of people that could still be convinced with that. I don't think it's. Another ten or twenty percent of the country, but I, I think it's not insignificant either. So okay. Next up, we'll have Alexander Rogers, the Rainbow Jihad, working within MCU, has made Loki bisexual in his show's third episode. This trend of ignoring canon for their LGBT goals will continue and come to a cultural head when they try to make Christian Chris Pratt's character openly bisexual as as well. Buy, sell, or hold, MCU will do the dirty on Chris Pratt. Sell, not in that way. Yeah, because, that's, that, you're, that's too overt. Well, First of all, Loki's character, by the way, has been... We, it wasn't called gender fluid, and that's a recent term, mm-hmm. but Loki's character has respawned over the years in numerous iterations. So if you go to the last, the the after credit scene of the last episode, and there's a little kid, there's a black guy, there's an older version of Loki, and then there's like a gator with a Loki horn. Okay, those are all right out years out of the comics. That Loki in in different multiverses or, um, in a, as a reincarnated entity has respawned, if you will, in numerous forms, including female forms. Over time, so the gender fluidity—that's just a modern term. That is not non-canon. That has actually been canon for the character. The idea of him being listed as uh, uh, Loki as a character being listed as bisexual—that is true. That that is new. That they included in this series, but I don't believe they will be that overt. And I think that's why you're seeing them pick and choose very specific spots because they're. They're trying to cleverly, so I'm going to sell. They're, they're cleverly, whether they pull it off or not, attempting to have it both ways. You, you throw in the gay guy at the beginning of Endgame, you know, at the self-help group, check the box, and now on with the rest of our story that largely honors canon and, um, you know, American, Western, Judeo-Christian storytelling mythos tradition. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think they will be that overt. I don't. At least not yeah. under the current management, I don't. Well, that was the point of what we talked about in um, Falcon and uh, the Winter Soldier. They 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 did not go CRT. They they were talking about living up to the highest American ideals in that show, and that we had simply failed to do it at this point. They weren't simply saying white people are inherently racist. They never even came close to that. And here, while I'm not caught up to that extent, I've I've only seen. Uh, the first uh, two episodes, so I don't exactly know what's in there. Going oh, after- crap, I just spoiled it for you then. No, no, Sorry no, about no, that. No, okay. there, somebody else was going to, sp- you know, obviously, way ahead of you and trying to spoil everything. Uh, but no, Chris Pratt would stand his ground, and he would not allow this to happen. I, I, I'm prepared to be disappointed on that front and just about any front, too, but I don't think they can take that scalp. Moving on. By the way, his latest movie, Tomorrow War, I'd highly recommend. Brian Flatley says, Sons and Six. 
Oh, okay. Bye. Giannis uh, is hurt. They lost yesterday. This just seems to be like Chris Paul finally having his day. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and he did this in the Western Conference Finals as well. It it, it seems as if. After 16 years, he can kind of smell it. There's no LeBron in his way, no Kobe in his way, right? And so it, it, no Shaq in his way. It, it just seems like he kind of realizes this is, you know, this is my LSU football season, no Alabama in the way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that yeah. Finally, this, it's my turn. And, he, and he, it, there's a very Isaiah Thomas thing he has going on right now, just taking over games at six foot one, six foot two. Here's my only hesitation is. I'll, I'll go ahead and buy. The reason I'm hesitant, though, if you watched the game last night, and so my son's a huge basketball fan, so I've actually watched more of it this year with him to watch it with him. Um, the, the styles of play are in, in stark contrast. And, and therefore, I, I could see wild swings of momentum here where I could see the Bucks after last night realized we, this game has to be like 103 to 98 for mm-hmm. us to win, Okay. We, and, and it's always easier to slow a team down invariably than it is to speed them up at any level of basketball. So I could see the Bucks are realizing we got to, we got to maybe, we got to, you know, clunk this thing up a little bit and then win like three in a row doing it that way. Or they, the, the Suns just, they never catch their breath and the Suns get a sweep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I, I could see with the just stark styles of play that each, each team needs the game to look a lot differently in order to win. That I mean, you look at Brooke Lopez compared to DeAndre Ayton. The body types just ain't even the same. Okay, not even close to the same. So that's my only cause for pause. But I guess I'll buy. Next up, Mike Kennedy. With so many principled leaders in Congress demanding the honor of their office and expecting to be resumed to be in good faith, the next point of order should be reinstallation of the duel. Uh, I, I will. <laughs> buy on a attenuated scale uh not shooting pistols at uh, 10 paces but this is the mike tyson principle about social media and everybody's got something uh something to say there that they would never say to somebody's face because they know that was actually ice t said that oh was it ice t yeah. okay mike tyson's t- line is everybody has a plan until they get punched okay, in the mouth that's ice t the one who said social media is the place where All guys right. who never got punched in the nose think they get they get away with talking to you yes. like that yeah. and it's this principle that i have applied to great effect with social media in local politics because there's all these people who they're they're schemers and they're always doing something within their little structure. And they're very, very used to people not wanting attention, not wanting a spotlight, not wanting to be the called name. So they go away and they can't do that to me. And basically, I've used the modern duel with, with social media uh, in other ways and, and public confrontation to do to them what they th- try to do to other people behind the scenes. So, yes, on some level, yes, uh, there need to be fighting words that are far uh, more well-considered by our side than ever before. And school board, you don't have to sound like me or people on this show. We just saw that father in Aaron's montage. That's what he did. That's what he did. Here's what I think. I'm, I'm going to sell. I think you make a compelling case. I'm going to sell on these grounds. A society capable of having this as a social institution would largely not need it. 
I know. You know what I'm saying? Of course. I, I, that, that I think a society where like we could really use this probably can't be trusted to utilize it in the way that mm-hmm. it, 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 it should right. and not for nefarious means. Of course. More buy, seller hold next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here at Blaze TV Radio Podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for us on MeWe Parlor and Gab as well. That is, if you don't like censorship, go there. Also, if you don't like censorship, you want to get free and also unfiltered, uncensored clips of the show, go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. We have flown right past 10,000 subscribers there. So let's keep that momentum going at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. And again, that's D-E-A-C-E. And if you're a podcast listener, if you haven't done these things already, please give us a five-star review. Hit the subscribe. Or I just noticed because I went to go follow our new colleague, Jason Whitlock. Go subscribe to his pod on iTunes. You follow him now. Right? You don't subscribe on iTunes anymore. You follow. I guess guess, it's been a while since I've subscribed to something new. All right. So follow us on iTunes or subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use that still uses that term. Whichever the case may be, please do those two things for us, though, along with the five-star reviews. It helps the podcast to grow, which is doing so explosively. And so we want to thank all of you that have done those things for us already. Also, want to thank you by letting you know about a special offer from our friends at Patriot Mobile, because now more than ever, it's important to support companies like Patriot Mobile who not only share our beliefs, but will stand behind them with action. Patriot Mobile, the only conservative patriotic wireless carrier. They donate a portion of every dollar to organizations that fight for our causes and our values. And right now they've got two great offers for you to choose from if you want to make the switch to Patriot Mobile. And you'll get the same network coverage you'll get anywhere else because they all pretty much have all the same towers. All right, get 50% off your first two months or if you're in the market for a brand new phone, $100 off any phone. 50% off your first two months or... $100 off any phone, and both come with Premier Activation. By the way, that's where they set the phone up for you. If you want to take advantage of these, switching is easy. Uh, Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Make the switch today. Remember, veterans, first responders, you save even more. All right, PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, or call them at 972-PATRIOT. Again, that's 972-PATRIOT. Let's continue on with more Buy, Sell, or Hold, Aaron. We'll go next. Bob, top five movie nerds of all time. Number five, McLovin from Superbad. Did you ever watch that? I know who the character is. I've never seen the film, so I, I can't. I, I have to. I can't comment on that. Never one. seen it. But I know the name and the and the characters kind of become pop culture. Uh, the Dan Patrick show. Yes. So I, I I can't object to it being there, even though I've not seen the film. No. Number four, Brian Johnson from The Breakfast Club. Fine with that. I'm Number good. three, Mark Radner, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. I had to think about it. it, it, it I don't even. It, it, it was another lifetime yeah. ago that I saw this movie. No kidding. I don't right. even know who Mark Ratner is. Is that's the guy, is that the nerdy guy that likes the girl that gets pregnant? I'm not sure. It's been a long time. Anything outside of Spicoli yeah. or what's-his-face working at the fish and chips? 
I got I see that's why I had to hesitate I had to dig even for that reference. It's, it was another lifetime that I saw that film, but okay. Number two, George McFly, I mean, Back a, to the that's, Future. That's an automatic. Yeah, yeah. That, that's arguably number one, except for the n- the number one he's going to have. Number one, Lewis and Gilbert to tie, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, it was funny. I, at least I thought it was. I put out a Lambda, Lambda, Lambda gif yesterday for the new Lambda scariant they want oh. to try to scare us with. Since the Delta scariant didn't work, we're moving on to Lambda. Very few people got that reference, though. Okay, I, I, I guess I'm dating myself. The movie is now almost, what, 30 years old, right? Oh, yeah, at least. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, almost 35 oh, yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's more depressing. So um, I, I, I'm okay with that list. Yeah. Somebody replied and said Napoleon Dynamite needs to be on it. He might be in a different category, though. Oh, man. You guys know I love that film. I mean, I don't even just love it. I adore that movie. I mean, I... I love the film. I have to, anytime I catch it on, I have to watch for at least a few minutes. And it is one of the most quotable movies of all time. I, I, you're looking at me like I'm nuts. No, not at all. I'm actually thinking this through probably more seriously. The nerd genre is a very 80s thing. Napoleon Dynamite doesn't even, it doesn't, I don't think it's the nerd genre. Now that movie genre. takes place in the 80s, right? I don't remember, does I it? I think that it does. Doesn't it take place in the 80s? We're never really told that. Yeah, but it, or it's but just it certainly stuck seems in the 80s. to. Uncle Rico yeah. has a distinct 80s yeah, vibe. Yeah, and the clothes and the workout yeah. video, and, you know, it. it Bow to your sensei. I mean, it, it certainly does seem to have a very uh, Cobra Kai reference there yes. and influence there. It just seems to have a very 80s vibe. Yes. Okay. The tetherball, the yes. soundtrack, okay. Um, the, the songs that are played. Um, What's that song that they play at the end when him and uh, What's-Her-Face play Tetherball? That's right out of the 80s. So, I don't know. It, I, I, that has to be on the list, but I'm okay with the list as it is, too. Sure. So, I'll buy. Okay. Next up, we'll go to Goodfellow49, who says, Every government conspiracy theory is worth revisiting and should not be looked at as just possible, but likely. All right, this is going to be the first case this week where I'm going to say you should have capped it at a singular at a singular assertion, okay? Because I'm all in right now. I've told you guys the last few years I am I've been heavily radicalized informationally. And that that is I was talking about that heading into COVID, right? coming out of Kavanaugh and Russian collusion and the, uh, 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 right? Yeah. I was already talking about how, uh, like, guys, I'm I'm getting worried about me. I'm getting pretty radicalized informationally, all right? And then COVID, so I was kind of already prepped. The patient was prepped and then COVID arrived and I'm like, I'm Alex Jones with Bible verses now. That, that's kind of what I am. I'm fine revisiting so-called conspiracy theories. I am not fine, though, with giving them the benefit of the doubt because right now I'm not fine with giving anything the benefit of the doubt. It's That seems to me almost animal farmish, meaning that, well, we'll give the stuff that we believe is the benefit of the doubt, but not the stuff that you think is. I'm okay with let's throw it all out there and find out what the truth is. But, you know, like I, I don't think Capricorn won is suddenly true and we never went to the moon or anything like that, okay? So um, I'm going to sell 
but I would have I would have bought enthusiastically if you would have just stopped that. Everything that used to be known as a conspiracy theory should now be reevaluated. I would have enthusiastically bought that, but I, I can't get to now I'm going to give them all the benefit of the doubt. Oh, I'm close enough there. I'll buy. I know you enjoyed it too, Steve, but that was masterful going around uh, the internet a couple of days ago when what Twitter was trying to warn you of if you're a conspiracy theorist or not, and then they Obi-Wan gif. Of course, that's me. Yeah, I yes. get it. Yes. Next, Mike Kennedy says the Vatican announces change in Pope selection process. Smoke will now be black when Pope is selected and a rainbow while deliberating. Yeah. <laughs> you cut me deep, Shrek. That's why I have to buy. I have to buy. Do you see they're, they're thinking about not stopping you from having Latin mass now? Well, I mean, yes, there's that. That, that kind of garbage is not new to the last couple of years. But yes, I saw it. Okay. Doesn't it seem, let's go back to counterintuitive arguments. Is this fair? Sure. Okay. So, doesn't it undercut your argument that tradition belongs on a higher plane hermeneutically and maybe even on an equal plane with Scripture if you undermine your own traditions? Todd, your thoughts? I hate you. Yes, it does. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that wasn't my evangelical bias. It just, and hey, when, when we think the, the guys wearing my jersey are undermining Sola Scriptura, we have pointed it yes, out. Yes, we have. Okay. But I just don't understand tradition. Uh, no more Latin mass. Okay. So like 500 years ago, Luther almost got burned at the stake for translating the Bible into German out of the original Latin Vulgate of St. Jerome, right? Yes. That was the that was the officially and only officially confirmed or accepted Bible of the time, as I recall. And so Luther almost gets burned at the stake for translating St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate into German, his native tongue. Stick around for a few hundred years, though. Tradition. <laughs> Isn't that back on the bumper, man? I mean, I don't know. Kind of feels like to me you're undermining your own argument here. That's just because we are. Okay. Moving on. Adam says, I would rather be Tony Stark than Bruce Wayne, but rather be Batman than Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's one of those that's a great observation I've never even thought about before. But um, because I can see that, I'm not sure. If I gave it all the time that I might give it, I would ultimately agree. But I can see why you might be saying that. I'm buying. I can see that, too. Um, Bruce Wayne seems endemically broken and damaged as a human being. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Tony did not have to see his parents shot when he was a child. Right. So... I so, think you you make a you you raise a fair point. Yes, yes. I Noah and I yesterday because we couldn't do anything outside. I we were getting a some a roof put on at the house like ten years overdue, and um, so we hung out and uh, yesterday one of the things we did is we watched um, the chapter one of the animated translation of the classic Batman um, comic graphic novel, The Dark Knight Returns, from Frank Miller. That several lines in both Zack Snyder's and Christopher Nolan's Batman films are like right out of this comic. 
Okay. And the story of this comic is it takes place in the mid 80s and a 55 year old Bruce Wayne who's been retired now for Batman for a long time. And a lot of the supervillains are locked up forever and gone. And so he is kind of broken physically. So he retires while they're gone. And now, a, you know, um, a new vicious gang that call themselves the mutants have emerged in Gotham and they're even more vicious than the Joker was at his worst. Okay. And so Batman is going to come, Bruce is going to come out of retirement at 55 years old because the local authorities can't do anything about it. And what's funny is I had forgotten how right wing this storyline is. I mean, it's just mocking and there's open mocking of all these lefties on TV. This gang is misunderstood. It's Batman who's the bad guy with his tactics and he makes these people worse than they have to be. Politicians like, let's sit down and negotiate, okay? I mean, it is just because those were the silly crime arguments that we were hearing in the 80s, right? And one of the reasons why why they lost uh, 49 states to Ronald Reagan, right? And And... Just to show there's nothing new under the sun. We're having all these same conversations again. That was one of the rationales for let's let a bunch of people out of prison with the first step program. And as we're going to talk about with Daniel Horowitz here in about 20 minutes um, for for crafting policy, Kim Kardashian would like and the Koch brothers. Trump got one percent net more black voters, but lost 12, 12 point uh, net white male voters. That's what he got out of that. And it and, and the and the Dark Knight Returns, man, it, it part just it's it is literally prophesying the conversations we're having right now about crime and urban in America right now. And this all in this show. And they don't just like make this point once. Numerous scenes it keeps coming up just and just to show how stupid this viewpoint is that these people can just be reasoned with once they're this far gone, right? So Highly recommend if you haven't seen it before. Moving on, Ryan says Mount Rushmore of underrated figures in American history. Booker T. Washington. I like. Hi. Yeah. Two, Crazy Horse. Mm, I will I will sell. Um he he's a fascinating. I just don't think he's underrated. Okay. He's got a gigantic monument being built. That's a that's True. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Calvin Coolidge at number Bye. three. Bye. And then four, James Polk. I almost put, even though when we did our presidential rankings last week, um, I didn't mention him as the, the the two names I was wrestling with, but I was really looking for someone that I thought should get their due that doesn't. Um, and so I put Coolidge in there instead. I almost put James K. Polk in there. I mean, he had to face numerous crises uh, at his time in the White House. I almost did. So I think that's a pretty good list, actually. I think it's a good list. I would, Polk is actually, when this question is often asked or written about in a American historical overview, he's, he's very fashionably labeled as that. So I think he's gotten recognition. It's, a, you know, we were talking about the most underserved uh, storyline, but he's very much been served as the most underserved storyline. So I think people kind of know about him. Mm-hmm. Textbook Fundy says Aaron Rodgers will be in a Denver Broncos uniform by week Sell, one of I the to- 2021 season. Sell, and I t- told you this. Look at what he's doing now. He's trying to refashion his image. I've been doing mental health work. He, he Listen, the Packers on their side may have played this poorly. He's, he's so 
arrogant, so preening, so whiny. He totally oversold his hand. He's just going to be playing for the Packers. So I'm already on record predicting he'll never play again for the Packers. I can see your perspective. You may even be right now, but I think the dude code calls for me without Respect. better evidence than that to stick with my original Respect. assertion. So I'll buy. Next, John Hensley. If the Chinese were actually trying to develop a bioweapon, they have a lot of work to do. Sell. Yeah, I think this is the sell. most this would this this would be the most effective bioweapon in history. It knocked out it, it knocked out. Let let's just if we begin with the premise yeah. it was a bioweapon, let's look at the result. It knocked out of commission for an entire year their number one economic rival in the world, who still hasn't fully recovered yet. It knocked it it eliminated from the White House the first president that was even mildly hostile to their uh, hegemonic uh, ambitions economically. And and he was mildly hostile, frankly. He, we cut all kinds of deals with China when Trump was president. There were just a few areas where he drew a line in the sand and was very vocal about it and, he, and followed it up with action. But this idea that he went scorched earth on the Shycoms, that's not true either. He just gave him some mild pushback. That's nothing compared to FDR slapping in a, a, an entire oil embargo on the Japs when they tried what the Shycoms are trying to do right now. Okay, so... I, I mean, this has worked perfectly. No war crimes. The casualties are largely elderly people with comorbidities that were likely going to die within a year anyway of something else, probably, given their age and the average of four comorbidities. It, they crafted something that now lets them control the their population, both at the beginning stages of life, who gets to have kids and how many, and now at the end stages of life, you know, hey, you've outlived your usefulness, you cannot work anymore, your productivity is a hindrance on the system, so we're just going to cull the herd here. I, I mean, I don't know, guys. Oh, by the way, they made trillions of dollars yeah. because most of your masks, most of your masks and other PPE you bought, where, all, where was all that stuff? Your gloves, your face shields, where was all that stuff okay. made? I don't know. With all due respect, John, how the hell would you come to this conclusion? This is the most successful bioweapon in history if it is one. There's no war crimes. We don't have kids dying in the street with their skins melting from yeah. mustard gas or anything that would make the rest of the world say, make this stop. I don't know. If it's a bioweapon, it strikes me as the most damn successful yeah. one by a mile, actually. To give him the benefit of the doubt, he just, he didn't, and maybe purposefully did not consider enough variables. But this is like in the hunt for Red October, uh, when uh, Ramius uh defeats uh one of the first attacks on him by closing the distance between the subs so the the safeties could be taken off so then the madman takes off the safeties and ultimately that ends up being his undoing in this game of chicken and he he, he ends up shooting himself with his own missile but if you create the ultimate super virus that's the thing about viruses they're going to come get you sooner or later too so it can be it can't be too good it has to be exactly what Steve is talking about. It has to be good enough. Mm -hmm. And and not just on the... You're, you seem to be mostly considering the biological. Fear is a huge component on this. We're living in Joker territory. And that was a master class if that was their intent. Well said. Up next, it's me again, Margaret. Australia will be the first Western country to fall to communism. Canada will be jealous for not being first. I could buy that. I could even buy the other order. I, I mean, I, 
I almost wonder if Canada is further along because there's a there's a certain authoritarian bent to what to their COVID stand. Like, I mean, in Australia, by and large, people are just like, "Yeah, give us more of this. We really enjoy the oppression." Um, you know, so I mean, we don't hear about Australian pastors demanding. What isn't that where Hillsong Church is from? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you don't hear Hillsong demanding to have thirty thousand people in a stadium to play their award-winning music. You know, um, so. But I love the spirit of this. So I, I could, I could um, differ with the order, but I think you have the right two countries, so I'll buy. I'll sell because uh, it's already happened. What is the yeah. difference between Canada and China right now? Higher middle class standard of living, and that would be about it. But, the, but that's a, a product of its legacy. Yes. Like in terms of how yes. it's operating you right mean, now. You mean in terms of its essence. Yeah, yes, I, but, I would agree. How, yeah. how about this for a proposition? You are more free to do the things that make life worth, worth living in Shanghai last year and for the better, better part of the last year than you were in Sydney. There, there you go. Or, or Calgary mm-hmm. or Vancouver or Edmonton or Toronto for yes. that matter. So, and, and, I, and, and you would argue your argument about why Canada's middle class is wealthier China doesn't have to make its middle class any wealthier. Right. It doesn't have to. Okay. And soon the road that they're going on with Canada, those their citizens won't demand it either. They'll be totally fine with the compliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up next, we will go to Maryland. More U.S. lockdown attempts and mask mandates coming due to the Delta variant. Sell. I, I, all, all the political leverage now, all of it. There, I mean, Fauci, Fauci still talks about this. Notice it gets like almost no press. And most of it, most of the press you see is our people clickbaiting it from the other side. But effectively, no one is really, really serious about implementing this. All of the political leverage now, like we forecast at the beginning of this year, we made our 10 predictions. I laid out my 10 predictions for the start of this year, right? Was One of them, I haven't looked at them in a while, but was akin to by the time we got to the summer, most of this stuff would be gone and the real debate was going to be over vaccines, whether we were going to create mm-hmm. a separate class of citizens over the vaccination effort. And we're, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the realm we're in now. Even that, though, it's so bad that an anchor on CNN has to beg Jen Psaki for them to do a vaccine mandate where a few months ago it looked like they were automatically going to do one. Right. The pushback on this is far greater than they ever imagined. And it's a combination of two things. One, there there is still more of us than they can handle. Not as many as we need, but more of us than they can handle than just to run us over. Number two, the, the, the real-time data is not nearly what was promised. And as you've heard me say for years, all people are sinful, but not all people are stupid. Somebody, every, pretty much everybody, except if you live in five or six states where if, if you get an adverse effect from the vaccine, you don't say anything because you don't want to you, you be disloyal to your religion, okay? But outside of like the place you just were or New York, mm-hmm. and even in New York, that would even be in like a half of this, just New York City, the rest of the state is, looks a lot different. Outside of those places, everybody knows somebody that got this vaccine and something bad happened to them. They missed more time from work. Could be that. Could be something worse. A blood clot. Everybody kind of knows somebody within their nexus now. 
So even the vaccine debate is not as fierce or ferocious as I thought it was even going to be a few months ago. That doesn't mean that we have won. We have not. We are winning, but we need to finish the job. It's not over yet. So I, I think the, the only place we're even fighting about masks now are airlines, really. When you stop and think about it, okay? So I, 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 the whole, every, it, it, it's like real estate. Location, location, location. COVID stand. Vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. That, that's the whole debate now is that. I can see this coming down the pike, fall, winter season, but it won't be because of the Delta variant. And again, having been out there right now uh, in Eugene, Oregon, it was nobody, nobody cared, which was refreshing. Um, but I don't because think- we had discussed last week about you writing a piece for the Blaze right. about what how life was different out there compared to what you've lived in Iowa right. for the rest for the last year, right? Now apparently this just stopped like a week before, but it was there was other than uh, I had to. Whenever we took um, an Uber, that was still okay, mandatory. Was, so they were still virtue signaling there. Yes. Gotcha. Next up, Timothy Roberts says, Built Bar is better than pumpkin spice anything. Hold. Uh, I have to yeah, hold. Yeah. <laughs> and because my paychecks come from him, I will hold as well. Oh, look, it's almost yeah. no, not quite time for a break yet. Note to self, tell Aaron during the break, whenever we get buy-seller holds with clients, either not to include them or put them at the very end of the hey, segment when we're out of time. The correct answer is buy. Pumpkin Spice ain't sponsoring the Steve Day Show. Yeah, That's a good answer. Uh, Foo- Do we have Pumpkin Spice Built Bars? Those will be out again yes. here soon. Yep. So there you go. Yep. yep. Uh, Foo Fi- this is from Jim Pine. Foo Fighters Mount Rushmore. Everlong. Well, I mean, that's their... Obviously. That's their magnum opus, so yes. Uh, Todd. I'm deferring all of this to Steve. To Pretender. I'm okay with it, yeah. Three, best of you. I'm okay with that. I mean, I think I'll stick around, Hero. Um, I think those are better songs, but I'm okay with it. My problem, my biggest problem is is number four. And number four is Monkey Race. That has to be number two. Well, it's it's a Mount Rushmore. I keep reading oh, so it's, these. That's right. I okay. keep reading so, okay. these as so, if they're ranked. Okay. They're not ranked. All right. Since they're not ranked, I'm okay with those being the four. It wouldn't be the four I would choose, but none of those are terrible choices. And the two automatics, I mean, they're the George Washington and Abe Lincolns here of this Mount Rushmore are ever long in Monkey Wrench. So you got those right, so I'm a buy. Learn to fly. Yeah. That has to be on yep. there. Yeah. Put that in place of one of those other two. Uh, let's see. That's it for uh, that section of listener submissions on buy, sell, or hold. Let me find a few more good ones because we did have quite a few submissions uh, this week. Uh, let's go to uh, here. Here's another one, and the, I want you to take this seriously. Uh, Ainsley Erzin makes the 2024 Olympic team for track. Mm. Uh, hold. <laughs> I mean, you're a national champion. Actually, no. I will sell. I will that sell. Was really I, awkward, long silence. I will, I will sell. Need you guys to help me out just a little bit. I will actually sell. Just a little. I bit. wasn't sure if I should give <laughs> an opinion that trumped the the, the yeah. chick's dad. Okay. I, I will sell. Be, let's for the sake of argument. If it was to happen, it would be in 2028. 2024 is is really too soon. 
Okay, then I'll defer to you on that. Electric but, but if you're a national champion, you you have to be at least in a heat at the Olympic trials at some point, right? If you're a national champion, mm-hmm. they don't invite national champions to the to national try out. high school champions. No. I, I don't know. Do they? We'll go with 2020. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, this one I thought was on earlier. Uh, Stephen Bevan says, "What do you do with the Chicago Cubs this season?" I'm sorry. Are you, uh, oh. if you are a part of the Chicago Cubs, are you a buyer? No. Um, and I say that because one of my best bets this year for season win totals was the Cubs under 79 wins. Yeah. Because I anticipated we'd get to this part of the season and they would decide, particularly with Theo Epstein, new management, everything there now, they've got several prime trade pieces left over from this little run they've had the last few Mm -hmm. years that they could get a nice bounty for, I would guess. So uh, I anticipate that they will be sellers here at the deadline. I agree. Uh, Let's see. Here's one that's really awkward. Lee Allen says, Steve, Todd, and Aaron's wives listen to the show every day. Sell. My wife almost Sell. never listens. Yeah. Sell. She has her own thing, and yeah, my wife almost never listens. Yeah, my, my wife used to listen every day, uh, but she already gets an up-close look at human nature every day at the hospital, so it's like on the way home, she needs to uh, detox. Hear you there. Yep. That's it for my cellar hold. Yeah, we could have put that built bar one at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When we come back... The weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, returns. Pew has its in-depth survey of the 2020 electorate out. Came out over the weekend. And there's three things I've got to get Daniel's take on. Um, And we'll do that. This is a conversation you don't want to miss when we come back. Stay tuned. If you are trying to get involved in the real estate market, and why not? Home values are soaring, so maybe you want to put your home on the market right now. I've mentioned before, I know some people that um, just can't justify sitting on that amount of cash equity any longer. So they're selling their homes to rent for a while just to cash in on the equity they have with what's going on in the housing market. Uh, Maybe you want some help navigating that. You also want some help if you're on the buying side. Uh, given where home prices are at right now. Where would you find an agent worthy of you, an agent that you could trust, an agent with a proven track record of success, especially for these unprecedented times? Bing. Thank you. Uh, Of course, the name kind of says it all. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a company started by Glenn Beck and some, some of his associates, and it started right out of this audience. Right here on The Blaze. Just found out, hey, too many disappointing experiences with agents out there. Good thing is this audience is so big, there's plenty of good agents in it. So why don't we start connecting them with our listeners, our viewers, and go from there. And it just kind of mushroomed from there. And now it's its own thing. Check it out. Just about anywhere you want to move to or from in America, we can probably help you with a real estate agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, let's get to it. Been looking forward to this conversation. It's the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Our good friend Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you, brother. How you been? Hope you had a great fourth. Absolutely. I mean, it's not as long as Juneteenth, but it was a pretty long week- weekend, <laughs> so we certainly enjoyed it. There he is. That's our guy. All right. So, Pew. 
And I've, I've said this on our show. I want to get your take on it. Just as somebody who has studied polling dem- demographics, done it, studied it for a living, for a fun, et cetera, there are very few mainstream sources that I respect the integrity of their work. Doesn't mean I agree with their findings all the time or would recommend them all the time, but I view them as um, uh, people that take the integrity of their work seriously more than a particular narrative. Fair? There's a short list of people that do that in this line of work. Pew is on that list. You okay with that assertion? Absolutely. And I just cited them today. 95% of Egyptians have an unfavorable view towards Jews, but we let in tens of thousands of them. There you so go. I, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Pew put out its uh, in-depth look at the 2020 electorate over the 4th of July or Independence Day weekend. And there are three things I've got to get your take on. The first is a meta theme. Okay. So Pew says that Trump won on election day by 30 points, 63 to 33. Pew says that Joe Biden won the mail-in or early voting 63 to 35. Daniel, does the math work that Joe Biden, that there were, there were that many more mail-in ballots that Joe Biden actually won them by a smaller percentage than Trump won on election day and won the election that as we are told today by what, six or seven or eight million votes, I think it is, 80 million voters. Does that, does that math, and I'm asking, does that math smell right to you? Uh, the, the math works. Um, the, the, I mean, 46, they say 46% of all ballots were mail-in, um, and then there's the early voting in person, so that would take you more than 50, so that, that would give him the victory. What doesn't work out is that 46% of all ballots cast were mail-in. You see what they do. What they also note there is that the overwhelming majority were first timers. Mm-hmm. Any study that has been done on this has demonstrated that there is an error rate exponentially Which greater was, okay. than typical. And this is and my this is it. my follow up question. Okay. We didn't see it. So what, what what was very difficult about the Pew results is it's hard to have takeaways and build narratives off of this demographic, this issue, this persona, when there's there's a competing narrative here. And let me just add one more thing to that luggage, Steve. What I found astounding was this. They say that Trump won 41% of non-college educated Hispanics. Now- You're stepping over my questions before I've even asked them, but go ahead. (laughs) But but if you look at a state that embodies – so you know if you want to look at a state that maybe moved away from Trump, you say New Hampshire, very college-educated. Okay, that makes sense. You look at the rank of each state by what percentage are college uh, graduates, that was the single biggest determinant of how well per- Trump performed, especially relative to uh, his first uh, go at it and then the traditional Republican performance over the last generation or so. If I had to name you the state that should be trending the most in his direction based on its composition, it would have been the state of New Mexico mm-hmm. because New Mexico is one of the least college-educated states, and it's like 50% Hispanic, but it's very much non-college-educated Hispanics. And we certainly saw Trump surge in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. Yet in New Mexico, he lost by more than any other Republican lost – um, in, in recent memory, I, I don't know how far you have to go back, yet at the same time, somehow Republicans 
picked up a House seat. There's only three of them. And they picked up about five seats in the state legislature. And also what Pew tells us is that Trump seemed to hold the baseline of party vote, meaning you didn't have this big desertion from him that you could chalk up the the imbalance between. No, we actually saw some of that in 2016. We didn't see any of it in 2020. Yes, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't see any of it where you'd say, hey, you know what? Maybe a lot of people voted Republican and they didn't want the radical Democrats, but they had issues with Trump's tweets and his personality and they had fatigue from him. That's not in their data. So I cannot escape the conclusion that it was the mail in ballots that we will never be able to verify. And we know there were a ton of them, but Steve, there's a ton and there's a ton. So you kind of broached what my follow-up question was going to be. If we agree that this math works, in the history of government systems, in the history of the human species, when has a sudden explosion of usage and, um, and access to a government system created actually as much, if not more, uniformity and um, reliance. Last year, many of us didn't get the Christmas gifts shipped to us, or our loved ones didn't get the Christmas gifts we shipped to them until well after Christmas, well into January. And yet somehow, the largest influx of mail-in voting of all time with no close second, if you believe these numbers... Uh, and, and so to me, that one of these two things has to be false. Either those numbers are false or the error rate is false. Obamacare website, anybody. Daniel, what government system gets more efficient with this large of an explosion of usage ever in any language, any country, any custom, any culture any, ever in the history of the human species? When has this happened? Well, well, well Steve, obviously, I was thinking about Obamacare as well. And what I was also thinking of, just yesterday, the New Hampshire Supreme Court struck down SB3 in New Hampshire. They said it imposes unreasonable burdens on the right to vote. Um, it was, you know, simple registration, voter registration stuff. And I'm thinking, like, they say uh, if you don't have same-day voter registration, if you don't, if you have photo ID requirements, People just people don't know how to vote, Steve. We're told they don't. But somehow they could properly fill out the mail in ballots. I mean, I that's why I think it's more. I don't think the number is a lie um, that th that certainly is the composition of the ballot um, was the, the, the greater share that we saw this insane total number of voters came from the mail in ballots. It's just a lot of them were bogus. They were fraudulent. Certainly a lot of them mistaken. It has to um, be one or the other. It has to it, be it has one or the other. Be that. And, and because there should be a commiserate rise in the error rate with a commiserate rise with a massive rise of the usage rate. That's just simple data algorithm analysis you can do in a seventh grade statistics class. Nothing gets more reliable and streamlined with more massively more usage, Daniel. Nothing does. That's not how systems work. And nothing, and, and in particular, what we found with Obamacare was that young young folks had a hard time signing up, made mistakes. Um, one of the big takeaways from Pew is that there was a massive expansion in uh, youth voting, mm -hmm. and undoubtedly that manifested in the mail-ins. Uh, they got into the marketing. We all know that Generation Z and the younger millennials were the most into COVID, yep. you know, even though they were the least at risk. 
So certainly they were the ones that would have done the mail-in ballots. It is just inconceivable. The 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 share of electorate um, that was created, it, it just makes no sense that, that there is no parallel to that in American history, adding such a massive new electorate. All right. Two other things I want to ask you about. Black and brown voters. You mentioned Hispanics. Let's start there. Pew says that Trump increased his uh, he increased by 10 points over his with Hispanics since 2016. That would be 38 percent, the largest percentage, slightly better than Reagan got in 84. That would be the second largest percentage any Republican had received since George W. Bush got 44 in 2004. That's the highest mark ever for a GOP presidential candidate with Hispanics since we've been keeping this stat which goes back to about the eight, I think around 1980, Um, You mentioned the massive growth there was with non-college educated Hispanics. We kind of already addressed the fraud issue. So somehow we still lost New Mexico, somehow still lost Arizona. Okay, <laughs> sure, dude, whatever. All right. So he's massively growing with college, non-college educated Hispanics, but keeps losing in the places where non-college Hispanics live. Whatever, brah, I got you. But let's just look on... Let's just take the Hispanic vote increase in and of itself. He did this by, even though policy-wise, he was not as hardline as we thought he was going to be or wanted him to be. But from a rhetoric standpoint, this was the most hardline on immigration and crime and punishment and drug dealers and everything else any Republican president or presidential nominee has ever been. And look what the result was that he got on Election Day. Steve, and there will never be an autopsy on the autopsy. Um, I, I forgot who it was. Was it Dick Army who said in that autopsy, uh, trying to court Hispanic voters with that sort of rhetoric is like uh, asking someone out to the prom and saying you look fat? Yes. Uh, something like that. I'm yeah. paraphrasing it. And, you know, look, yeah, we know there were issues with the administration, but my gosh, the rhetoric that that the the perception that came out to those voters was certainly that he was Jesse Helms on steroids. And obviously you see it help. David Shore is a very young whiz kid that was Obama's data guy. Uh, he had a very long uh, interview in The New Yorker, um, very insightful. And he's a socialist, but he doesn't like the cultural Marxism. And he feels that it's harming their opportunity to win and reach out to voters. Mm-hmm. And he credited um, the Democrat view on immigration and crime. Specifically, you talk about crime as the biggest factor driving more Hispanics towards Trump, towards Republicans in general. And on both of those issues, Republicans at large still have not learned their lesson. Well, that brings us to the final point here, okay? Because I want to make sure you get time to address this before I run out of time. If you believe Pew, Trump did policy, criminal justice policy that pleased Kim Kardashian and the Koch brothers to gain one net point of black voters from 2016, but he lost 12 net points of white male voters since 2016. That That is a ratio. I mean, we got all these Trump, Trump guys on social media going after Frank Luntz and those kinds of consultants. Well, those are really the kinds of results they've been producing with guys named Mitt Romney and John McCain for the last 20 years. And here you saw it play itself out right here that calling the crime bill probably the last really good bipartisan legislation racist. They lost 12 points with white males. Now, that's not all going to be it. Some of it's going to be soft-headed suburban men, okay? But at least some of those 12 points are white males they lost on crime, and they got one net point of black voters for that. That's what they got for it. Republicans have the ability at this point 
to do to the Democrats on the issue of crime what Hannibal did to the Romans at the Battle of Caney. I mean, they could just liquidate them, politically speaking, on this issue, partially because they've been so weak the last number of years and have allowed Democrats to unnaturally advance on that issue. Um, they're, they're so out on a limb, they don't believe in prison anymore for anyone. But I mean, here you have that stupid First Step Act I just read today the Chicago Tribune that the former head of the Latin Kings gang, one of the worst gangs, is applying for early release under the First Step Act. Sixty uh, percent of applications in, in Illinois have been granted, by the way, responsible for a lot of the violent crime. That is the issue. That is the sweet spot to keep the Reagan coalition, um, the non-college educated voters, but also gain the suburban voters back. And Steve, to the extent there's what to gain with the black vote, that's the issue to hardest because that's mm -hmm. what's killing them. Um, it ain't the black criminals who are gettable voters. It's the victims of crimes, the one who, the ones who don't want that. If you're looking for that extra 5%, 10%, it's not going to come from the people who think we need to let more criminals out of prison. Your big takeaway from this data, what's, your, what's one big takeaway that you have? A, the election was stolen, and B, uh, Kushner lost the election for him. I think even with the stolen election, he would have been able to pull it out. It still was very close. Um, so I think there's narratives that are true at the same time that might seem to compete with each other. Um, but I think not having a narrative on any one issue allowed the negativity of his persona so that he became the narrative yes be the determinant yeah. factor in too many legitimate voters in addition to the uh, excess luggage great stuff my friend thank you very much take care you, See bet. you next week got about a minute and a half guys what do you think of that conversation uh i just i want the scalp of one person anywhere any state it doesn't matter forget about overturning things but we need the scalp of somebody to validate the fact that this election was stolen. So it's taken out of these conversations, and it can always be a reminder that the people who did this know they did this. They would have gladly done it again. But I want that out in the open. We need one. Do yourselves a favor. A favor. Forget Dominion. Forget these multinational conspiracy theories. Guys, we need to stop confusing uh, secret cabals of of people conspiring. Uh, Hillary Clinton conspired with George Soros uh, over a pentagram to uh, build a tunnel into the White House so that they could get their pedophilia. No, stop that. Stop with all the Dominion bull crap that Mike Lindell and all those people. That, that guys, it's at this point you're never going to be able to prove it. It's a lot of bull. Keep with these questions. You know what doesn't lie. You know what can't be fabricated. You know what can't be. Um, uh, finessed numbers, data. Here are the here's the data that we have. If you want to keep going off into the fantasy land that, quite frankly, the the Trump campaign went into, you're not helping anybody. You don't need to go to Dominion. Stop doing that. Just focus on these questions, and then maybe you'll get some answers. You may not like the answers, but you'll get some answers. Fifty four percent of the electorate mail in yet. No substantial increase in the error rate of mail-in ballots. Trump soars with working-class Hispanics, keeps losing in places where working-class Hispanics live. Makes sense, right? That's why I want one. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.